maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legendary. Become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one percent better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. Welcome to Becoming Legendary. Brian, how you been, man? Good. How about you, my friend? So good. So nice to see you. So it's been about a month since we last caught up on here. What's, what's new in your world? <laughs> Lots of things. <laughs> many, many new things are new. I don't even know where to begin, right? It's only been, what, less than 30 days since we last chatted, yeah. I think. Yeah. Goodness gracious. It amazes me what changes in 30 days. Um, what's new? The newest things in my life are all yogic related, to be honest with you. Um, we're growing our membership over at Yoga 6 in Scottsdale. Yeah. Um, Shay. So we've got a, a good bump uptick in the number of people showing up at our studio, which is really exciting. Cool. Um, for all those listeners out there, if they ever want a free class at Yoga 6 Scottsdale at Shea or in Ganey Village, just hit me up and we can make yeah. that happen. Cool. So most of my stuff's work related. That's new. What about yourself, man? Um, I've been playing around with producing music. So, um, that's kind of been the thing that the missing piece in like making everything an ecosystem for me. So my teaching is all online right now. And, um, I've been, I've been incorporating music, which is something that's really hard, right? A, a lot of the smaller yoga studios and a lot of the, the, the yoga teachers, right? Yoga instructors are feeling pressure from, uh, from the music industry. So the music industry has kind of decided to go after smaller studios. And um, if you're playing music in class, there's some like crazy law where they can charge you hundreds of thousands of dollars because the yoga class is a performance under their definition and uh they want you to pay a couple hundred couple hundred to between three and three hundred and a thousand dollars a month to be able to play music in your studio right and for a small yoga studio um i can tell you that's pretty darn impossible yeah. so i've been working on creating music that is yoga appropriate and um I'm not going to sue you. So uh, <laughs> that's a good thing. That's a good so, thing. Yeah. So I've been doing that. I have uh, my first album released middle of January. And um, where second, do I find this, this work of yours? <laughs> uh, Spotify, Amazon music. The only place that it's not is Apple. Apple's not taking any meditation music these days. Weird. So um yeah, it's a. It seems yeah. like a, it seems like a genre that can can use a little love. I certainly don't think everything in the world has been created, but Apple's not yeah. taking any of that in. But anywhere else that you get music, you can get it, um, awesome. and it's fun. So that that has been the like little passion that I've found in the last month, and I've been enjoying the heck out of it. It's just incredible because that passion is one I share myself too. I don't know if I shared yeah. this part of my story with you though, but I've, I went to DJ school here in oh, really? Arizona. I did. Oh, I went to cool. Scottsdale <laughs> community college for two years and I have my, um, my certificate of disc jockeying is what they call it. Okay. And so I got two turntables, I got a microphone and I yeah. got um, a mixer. I've got Ableton Live on my computers. I've got all kinds of beat matching and beat making type of instruments here in the in this closet to my yeah your left, my right. Um, 
wow. <laughs> it's, it's, talk about an endless rabbit hole, man, you've gotten yourself into it. But again, it's a really beautiful way to express yourself. Yeah. And it's something that I keep can ah, see. I love how we motivate each other in this way, because I might have to break out my gear and start to, yeah. start, to, start to mess around with it, man, or at least bring it up to your crib when we meet yeah, again. Make we can set up, Heck yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is so cool. That is so cool. Um. Okay, so I know that you have you have some pieces that you have something that you really want to talk about this week. So I'll just let you or this month let you let you introduce that. Perfect. Um, yeah. So I really thought it was. <clears throat> I get a lot of a lot of people who say to me, um, "Wow, you are a great yoga instructor." Yeah. And the word instructor was kind of holding me up. So I wanted to do some research into the differences between what the word instructor means versus teacher. Yeah. And then how that plays out in a yogic setting. Right. So I think there's plenty of accredited certified yoga teachers in the community. Right. There's, there's a, there's a probably an overabundance. More than are necessary. There you go. That's the, <laughs> that's exactly how I was trying to put it. So with having said that, right, this, this is um, going to be just a, a deep dive into sort of my experiences, Patrick's experiences of what makes a great teacher a teacher versus an instructor. I think there's a big, really difference there when you start to really get into the, the nitty and gritty of it. Yeah, I, I think this is a fun, I think this is a fun slash scary conversation. Mm. Um, but I also think it's really important, right? One of the things that I think is really important um, that I've talked about before on this podcast is calling out your side of things, right? So if, if we say, oh, you know, everyone who has paid the, for the right to be accredited as a yoga instructor um, is, is equal and valid and, and amazing, we're lying. And um, that's not like, it's not a, that's not a knock on any individual human, right? It's like, you, you may want to be the greatest yoga being that that exists but that might not be within it not might not be within your capacity to express that and share that just like like i might want to be the greatest and most revolutionary artist of all time but i can't make anything look like anything with a paintbrush so it's like we all have our own unique skills and assets but in this world where I think there is uh, some level of like blending mysticism and awareness and um, human intellectual capacity um, or emotional capacity, yeah. it's really important that, that we separate the two. Because if you lump everyone together, everyone is bullshit, right? It's like, hey, how, how if, if, if I gave you a sandwich and it's 5% cow feces, are you going to eat that sandwich? Right? It's like, well, I'm not going to eat that sandwich. You might eat that sandwich, but I'm not going to eat that sandwich. So it's 5% of the, if 5% of the, of the apple cart is rotten. Um, I really believe in this situation, if we lump everyone together, the entire cart gets rotten. So I think that's the important part about separating this out is that if we lump everyone together, there are there are con artists in every single community. Every community. Um, and and yoga is no exception of that, right? So it's like, hey, if 
And this, is, this isn't necessarily exactly what you're thinking or where you're going, but I think if we get down, like we, we distill this to the biggest problem that we can run into by lumping everyone together, it is everyone becomes a con artist if we lump, if we lump 1% in with the 99%. So what percentage of the sandwich are you really willing to eat? And my percentage of the sandwich is infinitely small. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> to everything about that. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that that's every, everything for sure. Like, um, yeah, be, be really, be really aware of the, of the people in your community and, um, be really, be really, really protective of the membrane of your community. That, that I think yeah. is a really, really important yeah. thing. Exactly. You know, I, I think it's so, so a major part of my, my yogic path has been, um, mentoring, YTT students and also um, being an assistant in a yoga teacher training room, right? Where, where we're going through that eight month training, whatever amount of time it really is. And so what I've, what I've learned is that, is that there are, there are several different kinds of, of people who are seeking the yogic path, right? So there's one who's seeking that teacher or instructor role, right? That's their end goal. And then you have the other, the other students that are simply just there for either personal, personal gains or personal exploration, spirituality, um, maybe just to understand like their left side and their right side. So that body awareness, it can be very simple in terms of that or, or advanced and sort of etherical in terms of the spirituality, right? So there's a big gap between the differences of people who want to become a yoga teacher trainer. Yeah. And so I'm going to start with something basic that really, really may seem elementary, but it's a really critical part of being a really good yoga teacher. And yeah. that's, and it comes to one, one, two things. Right here. <laughs> Your eyeballs. The eyeballs for sure. Yeah. So ah, I've noticed that some of the greatest teachers I've ever taken class from have the ability to have eye contact with the students before, during, and after the class. So there's three little connection points, right? I've been told, one time I was told not to look at a student in their face when, they, when, when you're teaching, not to look, look from the neck down, right? Because you can have mixed signals, what's going on in their facial expressions and stuff. I kind of go with it the other way. I like to look at the whole being, right? Because I think it's really important to understand the whole picture when, when you're moving through something that important as eye contact, right? And moving through that, 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 that relationship, because that's what it really is. It ends up being a relationship in the, in the, in the, in the classroom setting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really one I wanted to talk about was the YTT student there. Yeah. yeah. No, so, so when you like, do you have an overarching um, definition or, or defining delineating difference between the, the yoga instructor and, and the yoga teacher? Is there, is there like one finite thing that like draws the line for you? Yes. So I feel like, the, I feel like being a combination of the two is really what the greatest teachers are. Mm -hmm. So like a, a definition of an instructor would be more so like a coach, mm -hmm. right? So as far as a teacher would be more like an educator or a trainer. Yeah. So I feel like if you combine the educator, the trainer and the coach into one, you have this beautiful opportunity to be your highest and your best when you're teaching. 
right? I don't think that there's, um, so that's really the big delineation, right? Is the, is the, is the idea, like a, a teacher is a person who educates people and provides knowledge. That's mm -hmm. what a teacher is. Education provides knowledge. An instructor is a person who gives the instructions on how to complete a task. Yeah. Right. So there's like, there's like a real big difference there, but it's like, it's kind of, if you blend the two together, there can be this perfect synergy of, of, of the best teachers that, that, that you'll ever find. Yeah, I think so. One of the things that I think is kind of important is the likelihood, high, high likelihood here is that everyone who um, is, is lucky enough to put in, be put in the position where they are teaching a yoga class starts out as an instructor, right? And, and an instructor is someone who is concerned about teaching a specific skill, right? It's like, we're going to go through this physical practice. And when you're, when you're starting out, just getting like being able to guide someone, someone else's body through a movement is a hard and scary thing. There's no, like the first time you guide someone else's body through movement, it's, it's very scary. Yeah. Um, and you cannot be a, a yoga teacher without being able to instruct yoga, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so a yoga teacher can always instruct yoga, but really to me, it's like when the instruction of the yoga becomes the background in your capacity, right? So you get to a point, I think, I think this is a shared thing. Um, you can tell me, I've never had this conversation with anybody. So it's interesting, but for me, there became a point in, in my teaching where the physical movement was so so minimally a part of what I was doing in class that it was really this thing operating in the background of my brain, right? It was like, yeah, we're gonna move our body for sure, but but that's just like this side piece of of what I want to have happen over the course of the next sixty to ninety minutes. Um, and that to me uh, is a, is a really clear and defining line. It's like, you have to be able to teach movement, um, specifically in America, right? Like the, or Western society, Western society is, is very much into the movement of yoga and the movement of yoga, um, for a, a highly skilled teacher, uh, uh, is really the doorway into opportunity of human expansion. Yeah. So I, I think the line, the line is, okay, you, at some point you want to be a crossing over. If you, if, if you are 12 months into teaching <laughs> and, and the physical movement is still the only thing you're worried about, I think you're behind the curve, right? I, or, or you just haven't dove into your practice enough yeah. to, to really be, to be benefiting your students in the way you, you want to be. I, I, I think, so um, if you don't know, I had a studio for about six years. And over that time, you know, it, I really was able to watch a lot of teachers progress from sometimes their very first class ever. Um, and sometimes they came in with, with years and years of practice, but the, the growth and expansion portion of your teaching really should, really should, in my opinion, start to move past physical movement after about a year of teaching. I, I just think that there's, a, there's an opportunity there and it doesn't necessarily happen, right? Sometimes you, sometimes you need someone to guide you into, hey, 
Now's the time to expand. Now's the time to take your teaching to another level. And then somebody might see it and they might blast off and they might just become this incredibly impactful being in their community. And to me, a yoga teacher, right? Um, A yogi has the ability to be really impactful in their, in their community. And that, that again, you're going to make more impact as a, as a, as a yogi than you are as a yoga instructor. (laughs) Exactly right. Exactly right. And I think there's, there's, I want to talk about the layers you talked about in the classroom, right? So that's a great way to, to describe it. The, the, the physical movements of the body are, that's what everyone in class is coming for. I'm here because I know there's going to be some warriors. I'm good at those. I I don't really like chair pose, but eh, I need to work on my, the strength of my quads, right? I'm feeling really stiff today. My posterior chain, my back body needs to be stretched out. So that's like really like level one. They're looking for, students are looking for that piece and they're guaranteed that's going to happen in the, in the, in the classroom 100% of the time. Yeah. The layers of which you talk about that are really make a teacher, a teacher or a yogi, a yogi come with like energetics. Mm -hmm. They come with that reciprocal relationship, like looking at somebody in their eyes when they're in that warrior one and being able to look past the uncomfortable ability of the, of the shape and then, and then be able to guide that student back either with just your eyes or with your words back to their breath, back to the sensation in their body, back to the practice itself, right? So there's the physical movements, there's, there's the energetics, there's the spirituality piece that comes into it, right? That connection to mind, body, and spirit, which is like really profound. Yeah. If you have a teacher who's able to convey that, or if you have a teacher who's connected to themselves, right? The mind, body, and spirit. I think in order to, you mentioned it, in order to transcend that yogic room and provide a student something that they weren't expecting in that experience, one has to be deep, deeply embedded in the practice themselves. Mm-hmm. Like whether that, that, whether or not that's, sometimes I find, well, that's meditation, that's asana, whether, that, whether that's just the consciousness or or intention, right? I need mean, like the, the buzzwords you want to use around the yogic. That is really where where that where the teachers separate themselves from just from just telling you how to do something. But right? I have like a little comparison chart of like what a teacher is yeah. versus an instructor. Yeah. And like you know me, my my prepared <laughs> notes. So so like so an instructor tells you how to do it, whereas a teacher tells you what to do. Yeah. So like an instructor is telling you right foot back, inhale your arms out and overhead. You have crescent, crescent warrior. Well, from there, what the hell do I do? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's, that's the teacher page. That's what do I do from here? Yeah. So there's, there's so many things that are happening in the yogic space that are, that are beyond like the, the description of a class. You know what I mean? You get that little like <laughs> three word, like, like little <laughs> yeah. um, explanation of what the class structure is or what to expect. Yeah, and you'll get into a class, and, and and it's really it can be the most scary part as a teacher, as a new teacher, or even sometimes I still get nervous and have anxiety or get scared because there's there'll be portions of my class where where we're going to a place that either energetically or spiritually where where the students are challenged, where they're forced into maybe break 
into a new level, a new layer of themselves they weren't expecting, yeah. that then that that then the teacher's responsibilities, you have to step up to the plate, right? Yeah. You have to really enforce, you start to, you have to really show them what to do in that space, right? So it's, it becomes very much a, um, a reciprocal relationship throughout the entire experience. Those are the best, the best teachers where they're reading the room. They're, they're, they're coming into a, to a, to a situation where maybe they had a long sequence planned, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever's showing up in front of them is just not gonna be able to either one handle the sequence or, or it just goes out the window at that yeah. point, right? For whatever reason, and you have to really then come, or I like to say, allow spirit to speak through you, yeah. right? Get out of your own conscious head, trust in your trainings and your teachings and just allow that to move through. Yeah, those are those two two really important points there. I think um, one is one the overarching point. I, I think a teacher is never there for themselves. Oh, um, boom! Yes. So that that I think is a a piece, and there there are there there are people teaching yoga who are are there to feed their own being right that that they show up because it 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 makes it they draw energy they draw energy from the students right and i think that you i shoot i want to say that like you i want to say that you feel it but some people don't because there's there's a lot yeah. of really really well attended teachers yeah. who don't have the best intention of their students, right? If you're in a, if you're in a yoga practice and there's 150 people practicing at once and the, and the person guiding the, the asana portion of the practice says, okay, now everybody kick up into handstand. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not a teacher that's there for the students because 150 people are not just going to um, happen to show up who have the capacity to do a handstand in a packed room. <laughs> and there are teachers that do that all the time. And that to me, I'm just like, well, I'm out. Like wow, you didn't even offer an option to the 129 people who the, don't have that within their practice. Yeah. So I think that's like, it's a really important thing. Um, and, and I'm like start sounding really harsh, but I'm only harsh because I, I want to weed out. I want to separate the 95% from the 5%, right? Like I just want to give people the ability to, to find the insights. So when you're in that 5%er class and when they're taking energy from you and not giving energy to you, you immediately have something where you're like, oh, yeah, that's a problem. That, that doesn't work. That's not, you're not in this for the community. And I think one of the things that makes it really hard, and I, I may or may not make it back to that second point, um, but I think there we are in a really interesting situation um, in that business and yoga don't don't blend beautifully, right? And and the majority of no. So there, there are, there's a requirement. There's a, there's a, almost a requirement um, unless you're in a very uh, amazingly lucky situation where you have to earn an income if you're teaching. Right. Um, 
So there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, with earning an income, right? Like it is a required part of a capitalistic society with which we exist in. So there's, there's zero inherently bad about that. There is a remarkable challenge in, uh, in balancing the energetic exchange with uh, when commerce gets involved. Yeah. And it, I think in order to be really financially successful within the yogic world, you are compromising uh, the end the end possibilities of the student base. Um, and that, again, there's nothing inherently wrong with finances. It just makes it a challenge. And I don't, I don't have that answer for sure. It really becomes about what kind of, what, what kind of experience do you as the student want to have? For sure. Yeah. Right. Because let's talk about something else that becomes really, um, an obstacle of, of interest, if you will, uh, in the yogic room, and that's mirrors, yeah, for sure. Mirrors, Absolutely. right? So, one of the most fascinating conversations there is. Mirrors oh my yoga. god, this is going to be a whole different, different podcast in and of itself, right? <laughs> there, there's this one teacher that I know, and his name will go, his or her name will go un, un, untalked about. Yeah. But the being, the being teaches looking, looking at him or herself inside the mirror. Yeah. For so sure. there's no other, there's no, talk about the eyeballs, right? The eyeballs tell you everything, man, about a teacher. Yeah. So like when you look at, when you first walk into a yoga class, is the teacher making eye contact with you, with you when you walk into the classroom? Yeah. Number one. Number two, is the, is the yoga teacher have his eyes open when he's, when he's introducing the class? Yeah. Or are they closed? Are they looking at the mirror? Are they looking down at the earth, at the skies? Are you looking at his watch? Like all this stuff is information for you, the student together. Yeah. Right there, you're 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 there to be nourished, to be looked after, to be part of a community, right? Like so, that's a big um, distinguisher when it comes to being someone who's there for themselves, or are you there for the student? Yeah. Because there's a bigger, bigger, bigger picture of of what of what we're all after, right? Which is, a, in my humble opinion, the reason why I teach yoga is because I love to bring a, a student into a deeper relationship with themselves through their breath, through the asana practice and through the, through the, through the simple fact that you're like nourishing yourself through the movements. Right. So there's like three components of that. Um, There are studios in the Valley here that are there that are, that are a scene. They're like a nightclub. They're like, they're like the, they're like the hottest and the baddest place to be. And like, yeah, and like that's they're not teaching yoga in there. That's that whatever we, you talked about earlier about the um, about the performance. It's a performance for them. That's that's where the 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 feds need to be going and attacking these studios for the people <laughs> who are giving off these these terrible performances that aren't serving anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, I think they serve. I think they serve the person who the center of attention, right? The the, the person leading that class is yeah. drawing energetically from every single being in that room. And this is like, this is some pretty behind the scenes yoga stuff, right? Like the, this, yeah. is, this is into the yoga world in a way that most people won't get access to. And I think that the reality is it can be, it can be off-putting, but mm. it can, it's only off-putting if we lump the two together. So yeah. yeah. 
I, like I am not saying um, that I I am a perfect being, right? Like spend no. a day with me, you're gonna know I'm not a perfect <laughs> being. But I can say when I when I teach, um, it it is it is for the students, right? Um, not that, for that, you. It's not for you, Patrick. For sure. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. It's not for me, Brian. Right. <laughs> this is. I've, I've chosen this path or the path has chosen me. Yeah. I think there's a blend of both that's happening there with my particular story. Yeah. And I've been in the seat of a human being who's, who's, who's disconnected from themselves, who's, who doesn't feel worthy, who has anxiety, who has stress, who doesn't have confidence, who, maybe even sometimes doesn't even know they really belong here on this earth. Like I can go deep, deep into my own, my own story, which that podcast. But my point is, is like, I do it for a person out there who needs that knowing or that reflection that a transformation or a turnaround in their life is possible. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Does that make sense? Like, or or the access to their humanness is available. Um, I don't, this is, so I have, I teach like 12 plus classes of yoga a week, which is the yeah. I've ever taught. And this has been going for the past months. I've never felt more strength, more power, more knowing, more peace in my physical being, because I've been such to so many people that the more that I give, the more that my gift strengthens inside. Yeah, for sure. And so with saying, thanks East Forest, or East Forest for that quote, we'll get him on the podcast in the future, <laughs> in a future one, but that comes from him. I'm not going like to claim it. it. <laughs> but I give my gift so that I strengthen it more inside. Yeah. Whereas you can look at it, the opposite the flip of the teacher that looks in the mirror the teacher that is there for themselves that gets energy off of themselves basically teaching yoga just to keep them standing deep mm. like you know there, there, there's that much of a pull or a um uh, you know like a um an energetic need right does that make sense sure. with that and i think there's a big big difference so i encourage you the student or listener just to be aware right? There's no judging involved. This is just a, this is almost just like a, I'm there to, I'm there to collect information, one for myself. And dude, does this feel right? Like, yeah. does the, does the teachings feel authentic? Yep. Has he looked me in the eye? He's, he or she looked me in the eye, you know, am I able to feel safe? That's another piece, right? Like, are you, does the teacher hold that piece of safety? Does he or she bring the word up of safety? Because like sometimes when I re- I've included this cue, and I think it's really profound. Like when you close, I invite you to close your eyes if that feels safe for you in this moment. If it doesn't feel safe, feel free to open your eyes and receive light. So you have the option for students. There's always options, man. Options are the key thing. It's not just everyone do a handstand, 150 people. Now go. It's like, here's an option for a handstand, but here's an option for you know maybe just a headstand or maybe like a supported um crow pose or whatever you want to throw in there you know what i mean like there's just ways to incorporate everybody everybody and everybody and really be able to i'm lost my train of thought man i went off on a tangent there that's perfect (laughs) i know i think it's i i think 
I think this is an interesting and fascinating conversation because um, it is, we are looking through, you know, going back to the mirror, right? We're looking through a two-way mirror here. And um, for a lot of students, the, they're, on the, they're on the reflective side of the mirror, right? So from the reflective side of the mirror, it's, it's really hard to see some of this stuff. And, and that's why I think it's important. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any awareness of the bullying mentality. I, I, there's, there's a, there, there is, I hate the word drama in a, in a way that is cruel. So I try to avoid it, but the, the reality is, is there is more BS in the, in the yoga community than, um, you would believe. And it's not, uh, it's not because people are in yoga for the right reason, right? Like I have, I have uh, had really close partnerships with people who I have like have said, you know, when am I going to get rich? And they're like, oh, I, I, in this industry, I would say never. Um, <laughs> that is what you're looking for. I, I would, I would, I would go elsewhere, right? Because yes. it's not you're not you're you're not going to get rich teaching yoga. Um, and you, sh- sh- you probably shouldn't, I think it's yeah. the other thing, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I-, I think that um, having the opportunity to earn a living, you know, one concept, I don't know if maybe you and I talked about this, um, maybe we even talked about it on a podcast, but uh, there's the, like, I think it'd be really beautiful if uh, local communities just like said, okay, you know, there's a thousand houses here and we're going to pay someone to teach yoga to these thousand houses. And like, that is now your, this is your responsibility. You're going to teach yoga to this community. And this community is going to have this opportunity to grow and, and flourish in their practice through this experience. And the, the amount of, um, the amount of required financial commitment from a thousand people is so small to support a yoga teacher. It's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's the, these are things that are really easily could be done. My guess is we're going to start seeing um, residential community builders who are going to start incorporating things like this into their world because it's going to set them apart and they're going to be able to charge insane amounts of money for their housing because they offer this uh, type of a service. And I'm not necessarily sure that's a bad thing. Like, I think it'd be the more, the more people um, practicing yoga, I think more people, the more yogis, I will say, the more yogis uh, on the planet that exists, the better the planet is. I I couldn't agree more. So I want to, let me, let me like side sidestep for a moment because i think this is kind of all ties back in i want to ask you three questions so go ahead is the meaning of life the same for animals and humans <laughs> is the meaning of life the same for animals and humans what the, what in god's <laughs> name does that mean <laughs> no i'm just kidding say, say it to me one more time so do animals and humans have the same meaning in their life? I don't think so. Okay. No. Let me tell you why. Uh, no, let me ask all three, then we'll come back. Cool. All right. So if today 
there was a way to just zap all human existence off of the planet, would Earth be a better or worse place? Better? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, that's a tough one. It's a, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating conversation. Um, so let, let me, let me ask the last one. So, yeah. and I, I think this, this kind of just gets us right there, but what, what will happen in the future when humans are no longer here, right? There, there will be a time on this planet in the next billion plus years where humans will not exist. Uh, what will happen to this planet at that point? come back to its original peaceful state right? this <laughs> flourishing state where the humanism isn't mucking everything up <laughs> you know but I, I so i was having this conversation I, I had a conversation so there's this um very touristy spot in um the western slope of colorado called glenwood springs they have like the world's largest hot springs or at one point it was the world's largest hot springs it's a giant hot springs right and it is a entire community that exists off of the tourism of that one natural phenomenon yeah and over the last nine months covid right there is the tourism is gone um i have seen in the last two months about 20 percent in the last two months about 20 percent of the businesses have gone under and I'm having a conversation with my family about that. And, you know, I'm saying, hey, I'm like, I'm, I'm sad for all these people. Yeah. And, and they were like, well, you know, Glenwood will be fine, right? Eventually, uh, tourism is going to return. And that's 100% true. Glenwood Springs is not going away. It's going to be there. It will be successful in the future. That's going to happen. But all the people who lost their jobs and their businesses and, and maybe their homes and their ability to protect and feed their family, I, I feel for those people. Uh, I know that experience. So when I'm, when I'm thinking about that, it's like long-term, yeah, great. And it's the same thing in global warming, right? It's like, hey, global warming is, is going to cause massive problems for human beings. Yeah. You, you can look at that and, and say, hey, that's a problem that I want to solve. Or you can say, uh, we don't need to solve it because the world will figure it out. And the world, like this planet will figure out global warming without a doubt. Like if you want to say it's a natural phenomenon and it doesn't matter, and it's not going to do anything. You're wrong because it's going to do things to, to the organisms that are alive currently today because we are designed to live in the environment in which we live in. And if we change the environment, well, guess what? We're not going to do that well. Yeah. So you can look at global warming and you can say it's not a problem because the planet's going to figure it out. That's true. But that doesn't mean that it's not a problem for the things that are existing right now in this moment. So to me, I think that it, the, the way that we look at problems um, can, can, be, can be really in, integral in, in the solutions that we're looking for. Yeah. And I think when we're tying that back into the conversation we have, first, I want to go with um, why is the meaning of life for animals and, and, and uh, humans different? So let me give you that opportunity. <laughs> I think, ha. Huh. 
I really think it's important that well, ask the question one more time and then I'm going to give you the answer. All right. <laughs> Let me know. Okay. So do, do the lives of humans and animals have the same meaning to them? Yeah. Yeah. I think I said no, right? I think you said no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. You can change your answer. Got <laughs> <laughs> to. Um, <clears throat> You know, I'm going to change my answer. I think, I, I think, no, I'm going to stick with my original answer. The answer is no for me because, because I feel like there's a, there's the added piece of, of consciousness, right? There's, there's, there's a deeper, deeper expression of life that human beings are able to express because well, the opposable thumbs is one reason. And we have the more, 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 more specifically, we have the ability to manipulate the environment around us. Yep. That distinguishes the difference between a human and an animal, I think. So yeah, that's, 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 that's really my answer. <laughs> so I think, so I think that's a, I think you're, I think you're right. I think you can easily make the argument, um, no as well right you can easily say no the the purpose of humans is to procreate and create more humans just mm. in the same way that animals uh, their purposes procreate and create more animals right like sure. you can easily make that argument I, I think where where i think this all ties in is as a as a as a human being we are given the gift of being the most advanced Thing that we know of, right? So we, we cannot point to anything that is more advanced than a human being. We can, we can create machines that can do specific tasks better than human beings, but we cannot create anything that can replicate a human being. Yeah. And as we, yet, yet, and maybe never, right? Like, um, so yeah, maybe like it depends on some people say, oh, we're months away. And some yeah. people say we don't even understand how the brain works. Right. So we're, 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 we're working on a problem where we don't even know where to start. So, so there, there are, there are definite arguments about this, but I think the point is, even if you say, okay, we can create advanced machines, we are currently no, we are the organism with the most advanced cerebral capacity of anything that we are aware that exists. So we have, we should impart ourselves with the responsibility of stewardship over the, over the, the, the globe, the planet, the earth that we have been, been blessed to exist upon, yeah. right? So if we have the most cerebral capacity, we should be using that cerebral capacity to make things better. And I think that when you really dive into this question, that's like, hey, a, a yoga instructor is there, they show up on time, they do their job, they teach, they go home, they get paid, boom. And a yoga teacher is like, I want to make the freaking world that I exist in, however large that bubble expands, better. And um, I, I think that, you know, I, I know, I know that that's something that you're really interested in and you do a wonderful job at. So it's like, it's, it's nice to be able to be around and, and use you as a, as a mirror uh, to review my own, my own teachings, my own world. Mm. Thanks, man.
<laughs> I think it's I think it's really really important a lot of things you said there but like to circle back around about the animal versus like the human being the, the, the one big piece that's up for me is that is that I think there's um, there's a big piece of this that that I don't want people to misunderstand I don't want to I don't want people to miss a, to to interpret this conversation as like we're bashing the yoga industry right because we're not I'm not trying to do that at all no, no. I'm just no, no, I'm just trying to bring awareness to the different, like, like in any industry, there's layers of, of professionalism, layers of talent, layers of layers. So, so I think it's, it's important to distinguish between, between the two. And then to go back to the animal versus, um, versus the human thing, there's, there's a direct comparison between like, like a conscious, what a conscious animal would be and a conscious human being would be, or maybe what a conscious yoga teacher would be and a conscious, an unconscious teacher would be, right? So like, so you can, you can consider even like an animal being like an unconscious human being, right? Well, then the fact that they're, they're the living, they're knowing, but they don't, they don't have that, that ability to manipulate, to read between the lines, to look somebody in the eyes, to all the things we went through, right, in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, or, or you can look at it as the human being piece has that ability, the teacher has that ability to, to move, to manipulate, to learn, to grow, to expand, to want to animals don't necessarily there are certain of course animals that that want to have like a big i um, want to see other animals of their same kind do better right but there's also like that group of <laughs> humans that don't want to that want to see other human beings do better like we like me and you there's also a group that doesn't want to see them mm-hmm. do better they'd rather be more interested in getting rich or there's the animal that's eating all the food and they're just concerned about being fat right so like there's there's so many mirrors to that, to that whole, to that whole equation, if you will. Yeah. yeah. So I want to, I want to touch, I think that again, I think this is, this is why it's a scary conversation to me um, is because we're, we're talking at a, we're talking to, to, to very different audiences, right? So if you draw your line, if, if I draw my line of people, we're talking to um, people who are currently practicing yoga, right? The reality is it's, all, it's it's ninety five percent or more likely the person you are getting your yoga and ins- your yoga instruction teaching from is an amazing human being yes, yes. doing this for every single right reason possible. Yes. Right. So the important thing is to me is when we're speaking within the yoga community, the 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 general bulk of the yoga community is ma- amazing. Um. The, the, the challenge for me is I want the yoga community to expand. And yeah. what you mostly hear pushback from, there's two things, right? It's like, okay, there's the physical people who are like, I can't touch my toes, so I don't do yoga. Fine. Like, that's a, okay, that's a, that's a thing. But there's also a giant portion of the population who's like, no, yogis are scam artists. And they're like, this is a thing that is, they're trying to, to pull me into some religion and ruin my life and blah, blah, blah. And I I want to, I want to um, extend that olive branch out to that community. And, and to do that, I think it's really important that you protect the membrane of the yoga community and you remove that 5%. And the reality is if we, if, if we are feeding the 5%, the 5% gets bigger, not smaller. So People that teach yoga are freaking amazing people. Like people that do yoga are freaking amazing people. 100%. But like when I look back at the studio, one of the one of my big failings 
is there were like five to eight people who were bullies within the community. And had I done the, the right thing, which was the hard thing, which was say, hey, bully, like you can't, you cannot continue this practice uh, of being this person within this space. So I'm not saying you can't practice yoga here. I'm saying you can't continue this bullying practice within this space. And if I really believe if I um, year one, right, had just gone out and pulled out five to eight people of, uh, of, of a group of a relatively large group of people, you remove five to eight, and then you have this other hundred who are just like amazing individuals. I think that the, the flourishing of the community would have been exponentially larger. And I think it's the same thing with teachers where it's yeah. like, man, everybody is not amazing, but almost everybody's amazing. Yeah. So what do we do to get it to the point where everybody's in this for the right reason? Because if you have, if you have 10 people who all have the same goal and all of the same idea and want to do the same things for the right reasons, you can accomplish pretty much anything. But if you have nine people who want to do those things and one person who wants to sabotage it, that one person who wants to sabotage it is going to have a pretty high success rate of sabotaging the success. So I I think when, when we're talking, it's a challenge because if you're talking within the yoga community, almost everybody's amazing. But if we're talking about the people that are seeing the yoga community from the outside, the likelihood is if they're not joining, there's a reason. And it can be because they've, they've interacted with somebody who, who wanted to scam them. And I, I, I think that exposing, exposing that is really important so that yoga can flourish more. But it's scary because it sounds like, oh, Patrick is just bashing the yoga community, which I'm not. Like, I love the yoga community. I love people in the yoga community. I love people. I get the big, like, I get the biggest kick out of just interacting with nice people within the yoga community because I think it's freaking amazing. So I I wanna, I wanna, I wanna try to walk that tightrope. And I, I understand that it's not necessarily going to come off that way, but I, I think it's an important, I think it's an important piece. And I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm at a place where I, I'm, I'm willing to kind of speak openly and freely. So, uh, I, I think Likewise. Yeah. it's a, it's an important thing. I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, one of my main, one of my main roles at, at yoga six is, um, is coaching and training new teachers. Yeah. Right. So are also are all, not, not, not necessarily new treat, new teachers, also teachers who have been in, in mm-hmm. the yoga with yoga six for of years or months yeah. or whatever it's been. So I find it, I find a great joy in that. And what I've also realized too, is that whether or not you're in the 95% or the 5%, right. Whatever we're talking about the percentage here, you know, every yoga teacher is also a human being. Or too, sure. Right? Uh, now. So, so with that qualification or distinction comes the humanness, comes the, the falling into, into, into bad habits, the, the, uh, the falling into um, going through emotions, you know, the, the, all the things that I coach people around, mm-hmm. it's, it's coaching people not about how they cue a shape or, or what music they select during, a, during a, a particular portion of their class. It's about coaching them back into that loving relationship with themselves. Yeah. 
So as much as the so as much as a teacher is out there teaching from a place of knowing and understanding and education and embodiment, they're also teaching, or should I say, they're using the student not using the students. They're the students are are very much playing a role in in helping to mold and identify the teacher, right? So a good teacher is always has a has great students and a great student always has a great teacher you're you're one in the you're one in you're you're both at the same time it's your teaching and your learning at the same time and when the learning stops then the growth of the teacher stops i really really believe that so it's like around it's around and this this is an important subject because if you're a teacher out there in the yoga community whether you have a 200 hour or 500 hour whatever qualification you have or you don't have a qualification yeah. like whatever yeah what, exactly that's what i'm referring to like it doesn't that doesn't matter but are you then are you are you learning are you growing are you reading are you are you doing things outside of your of your classroom that can benefit the classroom setting at a later date it just doesn't start with a sequence it's like so much it's so deeper than that mm-hmm. and and i just i look for <clears throat> Or I encourage teachers out there to go deeper with themselves, you know, because yeah. that's where the real medicine is at. And that's where the, where the real opportunity for growth is. Like, like that's what we were talking about, layers of the classroom, right? So like students are expecting one thing, but they're maybe coming back because they're receiving three or four or five of these other little things that aren't written in the class description. Yeah, for sure. That that the teacher is that the teacher is able to embody, convey, um, be be that be that not that pillar, but be that be that person who who's able to look you in the eye and tell you the truth about things. You know, one of the the greatest compliment I think I've ever received um, was from a student who said that I had shifted his political perspective. (laughs) <laughs> right. And I hadn't even wow. considered that that was a, that was a, like, I'm certainly never going to talk politics in a yoga class. Right. So <laughs> it, this was, this, we were not having a debate over, <laughs> over, over the left or right wing policies. Um, but something within the teaching, right. Opened up a, 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 a wider perspective of insight and that perspective of insight allowed allowed for a, a new view or a new perspective of of the world in which they existed in. Yeah. And I think that you know that's never going to you're never going to find that in a you're never going to find that in a class description. Um, <laughs> never. <laughs> and and you really you really you do have I think that really does have to come from an authentic place right so I was gonna say you couldn't teach someone that but you can teach someone to share perspective right so you can teach someone to go within yes to look deeper yes you know one of the one of the greatest uh things that I ever did for my teaching was to stop taking in any information. So I went one year where I, I took in no news. I, I, I did no reading. 
um, I just stopped taking in information. I didn't listen. I didn't listen to podcasts that contained information. Right. I listened to a few podcasts, but they were they were essentially just like people randomly spewing nonsense yeah. because they made me giggle and laugh. Sure. Um, but I, I, the, to me, the greatest uh, leap in, in both my teaching and, and my humanness was just shutting it down for a year and, and you have nowhere else to go but in. Hmm. Wow. I never, I was waiting to see what, why uh, that makes sense now. Hmm. <laughs> that, well, I plan, I plan on reading as many books as I could this year, but that's out the window now. <laughs> I, I think there's, I think there's value in both, right? Like, yeah, yeah. so 2018, I read every book possible, right? Like 2018, I was like, I'm going to consume as much information as possible. And 2019, I just went nothing. Wow. And, and it just, it's nice, man. That it's nice. nice. Yeah, I'm a, and I am addicted to new information, right? Like, yeah. like many of us, yeah. um, new information is the easiest way to release serotonin in our brain. <laughs> and it feels freaking good to know something that you didn't know 10 seconds ago. Yes, it does. Man, <laughs> it feels good to not do that too. It feels so good. <laughs> to not do that. It's incredible. You're piquing my interest big time. I take, so my, so my new, the new information that I consume in a yogic world has been, I've limited to it because I think for a while last year, particularly it was too, it was too much. I was doing, I was doing different things, whether it was breathing or meditation or, or, you know, a new sequence. I was like learning or searching for new information each and every day. And there was a component of my every single day that I had dedicated just to a yogic like hour or yogic half an hour on YouTube or whatever it was. Right. Just, yeah. yeah. So, so that has turned into just Mondays. Now Mondays I spend reviewing, I, t- I like to look at other teachers classes, mm-hmm. um, teachers that I have never even heard anything about, like just random teachers. They're not, these not, they're not like the celebrity IG teachers you would maybe yeah, for sure trend towards. But so these are just like one-offs that I'll go on YouTube or find on an app and, I find that really valuable to help with a cue or help with a, with a new shape. I'm just learning. I'm just like adding little, little tools to my toolbox mm-hmm. for, for the actual asana portions of the classes. But, but I think what's, what's helped me in the, in this past like six months is, has been really trusting that I have everything I need inside mm-hmm. to give what I need to in the classroom. Yeah, like it's been from you were the one motivator for me over the summer talking about how I would write up little class notes for every single class mm. from, from child's pose to start all the way to Shavasana, right? I would have five minutes Shavasana, be sure to wake them up this way and have like written up my like my <laughs> words that I'm going to say, bring them the class out of Shavasana. Yeah. And that's gone away. I, 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 I sit in, in my in my cross-legged position, my yeah. comfortable seat. I center the class and then through the centering, the, the, the class starts to emerge. It's yeah. very, it's a very, very uh, organic process that is, that is, that has begun. And, and, and I almost feel like now the less prep that I do for a class, the more impactful it can be sometimes the more without a doubt. Yeah. Cause I feel like one, you're in the present moment, you're yep. breathing, interacting with the class 
in that moment. And that's, yep. that's the way it should be. That's, that's how the yoga happens. It's one of the first sutras, right? Yep. Is that yogic yoga happens in the now. Yep. <laughs> so that's number one. And number two with that, like there's a, that becomes then the, the reciprocity, no, the, the reciprocal nature of the, of the relationship really then has to stand on its own two feet. Yeah. Without that plan or the, or the, the playbook in the background, yeah. you have nothing but the present moment to work with. Yeah. So it becomes this, like, you become like this little cook, like stirring a, a pot, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and, and you, and you add like a vegetable here, you maybe take something out, add some salt, add some pepper, maybe a little diddled hint of sugar or whatever, whatever, like the words you yeah. want to use. And it becomes this beautiful meal where afterwards you stand by the door and it, the imagery would be everyone to have like a soup cup and you're just, and you're the, you're the teacher just pouring out the soup as the yeah. students leave the classroom. Um, that, those are the most rewarding times for me because because um, I simply can't take credit for anything that happened in mm-hmm. that space. Yeah. Like, like I don't have a playbook that I could say, oh, look, I planned this out. Like this yeah. was play one, play two, play three. Then we had a touchdown. Like, yeah. you know, for it was sure. like, there's no, there's no playbook. There's yeah. just like, it's just spirit. Like spirit helped that, like helped create whatever just happened in there. That mm-hmm. was, that was, that was spirit moving through me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> getting out of my own way out of my own <laughs> egoic um energy and coming back to the heart space back to the present moment back to my breath back to the practice yeah I, 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 it's the most it's the most beautiful thing i i just um there is it it's for sure, right? You're going to sit down in front of 40 people and 20, 40 people, whatever it is, right? And you're not going to have any idea what you're going to do. And there's something, there's something like gutturally terrifying about that, right? It is. Like, cool. I am about to make a fool of myself <laughs> for one hour. This is going to be great. <laughs> but, and it, it required, right? In order to get there, you have to be able to do what we started with, right? You have to be able to do the physical practice. Yes. The physical practice is why people showed up. So in, if, if you are not confident yeah. in your ability to teach bodies to move, you cannot do this. Yeah. You, need, you need to have that safety net of a plan. But when you remove that safety net of the plan, but the safety net, the safety net of a plan also becomes a limiting plan, right? Because That's now you it. are stuck and you yes. cannot get away from that plan because if you do, you are no longer safe. So That's it. it's like the, the, you have it there when that goes away, when you are willing to walk the tightrope without the net, you, you are, you're there and you're, you're present in a way that is not possible with that limitating factor of this oh. is what's going to happen brilliantly said man yes it's it's beautiful space it is it's it's some of the most impactful space i've ever found myself in yeah it it becomes a um yeah it becomes a little bit of a of a (laughs) you're like for like a hunting example you're like like 50 yards away from the deer you know what i mean you can't move a muscle (laughs) but like when you move a muscle you got to move this muscle too because like it balances it out you know what i mean so it's like you have to be able to Ah, trust in yourself. That's a big key component, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
So I want to circle back to that the conversation where, where we're speaking about adding new information because I there's there's this there's this saying that I developed while teaching a class, which is novelty is the antithesis of death of depth of depth, right? So yeah. anytime that we're adding new, we're taking away the ability to get deeper. So it, it's true that when we're when we are when we are expanding and broadening our horizon, we're adding. Um, where I want I want people to be willing to think about the fact that let's say I, I only know two things, right? I'm Patrick. I'm not, I'm not that capable intellectually. I know two things and that's what I'm good at. Well, I could make that three things, right? If I worked really, really hard, I could add a third thing. Sure. Yeah. But it would come at a detriment to the two things that I already know because I could go deeper into those two things, right? The moment, especially in yoga, when you're like, oh, I'm done, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's when it begins <laughs> there, there's never a point right and and this is a thing that i think can happen to students pretty easy right is like oh i know crescent i know triangle yeah. i know these shapes so when i get there they're just boring i'm just waiting uh -huh. for the next one right yeah. if you're waiting for the next one you're doing the same thing as you're adding to that horizon right it's like no you're right here right now you're in a triangle what, that's amazing, but yeah. there's there's no there's no perfect triangle. There is an experience, an experiential quality to the triangle that you're currently in in this moment. Where can I dig into deeper into the experience that I'm currently in, yeah. so that the moment that I'm currently in becomes the blossoming of the full potential of the moment that I'm currently in. And you can, you can look at depth as adding information too, right? So that's the thing that I think is, is important is if you, if you take out the block of, oh, this is something I've done before. And instead you say, oh, I'm in a experience right now that is brand new because it is the moment that I am in right now. And I also have the knowledge of all the other pastimes I've been in this experience. So now I know where can I make this little millimeter tweak to the adjustment of the weight in my left foot that yeah. changes the shape and, and opens the experience of this shape into something I've never felt before. Incredible. And I think that's all there, right? So it's like, remember that depth is also an opportunity for you to expand. You don't have to expand horizontally. You don't have to expand with more. You can expand deeper. Yeah, that's brilliant, man. That's brilliant. You know, sometimes I, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll take students through triangle. Okay, so yeah. we're in triangle for one side and um, queuing, 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 queuing all the details. We'll flip around and do the other side. I'll queue, queue, queue all the details. And we'll flip around, we'll do the same, we'll do the same, same sequence on the, on the same, on the other side. So we'll do yeah. the triangle again. And then I'll just pause, meaning my words will go away. Yeah. And you can see then there's an old saying that the moment you want to leave the yoga pose is the moment it truly begins. Yeah. 
So like when you want to hit the eject button in triangle and the teacher's not saying anything and you want to know what's coming next, what is he going to put next? I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. That's when the yoga, that's when yoga really starts for you. Can you, can you, can you breathe back into this in the, in the shape? Can you look a little bit deeper? Can you take a little bit of a bigger sip of air at the top, right? See what that, then that full complete exhale will deliver you on the, on the back end. Like there's like, there's so many, so many, so much room for depth. I love that as a far as, as opposed to just always expanding like from east to west. Like, yeah. can you go just, just south, deeper, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. or north, whatever you want to look at it, right? For sure. Yeah. And I think there's real medicine in that, Patrick. A lot of times, some of the greatest classes I've ever taught have been a, have been, have been a, a class that I've taught a lot of times before, mm. but it's just landed in a different way that, that, yeah. that particular day For because sure. of, whether the students or maybe the teacher was in the present moment with them. You know what I'm saying? I can, the more, the more comments I've gotten, I've gotten so many more of these really beautiful um, exchanges of thank yous. And, and, and I appreciate you so much when I've gotten rid of my playbook, man, mm. when I've got, when, when the playbook has gone away and I've just gone with the pure organic experience, it has changed my teaching beyond belief. Yeah. So, yeah. Heck yeah. I love, I love hearing That's that, man. Special. It's so much fun. <laughs> so much fun it's right man any any to wrap this thing up any yeah. final wisdom insights thoughts <sighs> whenever you find a teacher that you really really like i would encourage you to stop and to ask yourself a couple questions and the first question would be, well, what is this teacher providing me that I can't provide for myself? Mm -hmm. That's number one. And number two, then can, you, then can you take whatever that teacher is providing for you that you aren't providing for yourself? And then can you maybe think about the opportunity of providing it for yourself? And what I mean by that is looking a little bit deeper to what it is the teacher is providing you and realizing that they're providing that for you because it's, it's, it, because it's already inherently inside of you. Does that make sense? You're, you're noticing what's happening from the teacher's perspective or from that teacher, because it's already an inside of you. So like my, my biggest, my biggest passion is showing students what they already know. Right. I'm just, I, I just serve as a reminder for a student's own consciousness, their own ability to feel, to breathe and to be, Yeah, you know, and I want them, I want students and, and listeners out there to be reminded of that, that you're, you have everything you need inside of you. Mm. These, these yogic teachers we're talking about good, bad, or indifferent are simply <laughs> Just, just, just willing to go a little bit into the uncomfortableness because the uncomfortableness is where all the things you're ever needed or wanting or look are, are found Yeah. In, in that uncomfortable space. Yeah. On the yogic mat, off the mat, teacher, student, et cetera. Yeah. It's very true. It's beautiful. Cool. Thank you, man. Been, uh, been a lovely hour plus. I have enjoyed the heck out of this. I think that um, 
I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to get feedback on this one. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I think so too, man. And much love to all the teachers, students out there. Um, we'll see you guys again in a month. Oh yeah. Not. And if you want to take a class with Brian, do heck yeah. yeah. Reach yeah, out to this dude. Bring it on. Heck yeah. yeah. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you.